going to be in Acts chapter 4 today, and we're going to have the, the words up on the screen. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, which will also be up on the screen. We're going to, to read a good chunk of scripture to start off with, and then we're going to, to dive into it and begin to, to see uh, what, what's going on here. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible and you have a phone, there's an amazing app called the Bible app. You could download that real fast and turn to Acts chapter 4, and you're, you'll be able to track along with us. So as you're turning pages and swiping, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the word of God. Hey, um, If you're just joining with us, we have been going through a series through the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 4, and what's hard is uh, if you're jumping in and watching Netflix and you're in the middle of like an episode because your spouse or your friend or your roommate just keeps on going without you, sometimes you could get confused by the the episode, and so I'm going to try to catch you up. Uh, what What I would like to do is highly encourage you to dive into the Word of God. Let's look at the book of Acts. This is a narrative story where we could see how the the very first church began and how it's been going throughout the world for the last 2,000 years with power. And the name of Jesus is, is being elevated and people's lives are being changed and there's nothing new. Jesus is the same God. Uh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's working in this church and he is working here and now in us. And so last week we looked at Peter and John. Uh, they, they're going into the temple to pray because they're good Jews. And as a good Jew, they're going into the temple uh, three, maybe four times a day. There's certain times in their day, in their calendar, where they just want to give God glory and they want to pray and they see a guy who has been crippled for over 40 years begging for money for a long, long time and Peter looks at him in the eye and says, look at me. I need you to look at me. 
He's like, I don't have gold, I don't have silver, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. And he grabs him by the hand, and the guy grabs Peter's hand, hand, and he pulls him up. And this man, it, like his feet are made strong, he's no longer crippled. Uh, Luke is the doctor who writes this text, and, and he said that his ankles and his feet are made firm. And this man just does what any man who's been lame for his entire life does. He's jumping, he's leaping, he's praising God, he's telling everyone in the temple court, Hey, by the name of Jesus, I am able to do this. And he's going crazy, and he's just hanging around Peter and John. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, we see that both Peter and John are talking. It says they are teaching the people. They are continuing to teach the people. And this man is hanging on them. I don't know if he's hanging on them because he's like, what if this doesn't work anymore? If I'm going to like go back to where I was. But he can't help but to say, Jesus has healed me. The name of Jesus. Uh, Peter gives this amazing sermon, which I encourage you to read in chapter uh, 3. And now we see that the elders and the rulers are, are going to get involved in here. There's a couple things I need to, to talk to you about. There was a, a man who spent three years walking me through the Bible. When I first became a follower of Jesus as an adult, I had no idea what the Bible said except stories and different things that I heard other people tell me. But I could not and I did not go into the Bible by myself and actually began reading until I was in my 20s. And I was amazed at what the Bible taught me and what I was learning and going through. And this man helped me read the Bible, and he hold, held me accountable to, to going back to the Word of God. And when I would say things that were not true and take a guess and go, I think maybe this might be happening, he, instead of correcting me and saying, you're wrong, how dare you, he would just say, do you see that anywhere else in the Bible? Do you, do you see this? And began to continue to point me back and back to Jesus. And one of the things that this man told me was about credibility. Uh, if, if you take action and you, uh, you work and you help someone out, you have credibility because people begin to trust you and they begin to rely on you. You're providing a service for someone when you love them well. And God has called every single person in the church every single person to look beyond themselves and begin to look outward and to be able to love other people. And when, when you serve people well, people are going to look at you and they're going to ask you, what do you believe? What's going on in your life? They want to know more about how, why you do this. What's, what's going on? And, and so we could gain credibility in our life by going to school and getting a lot of uh, degrees, and that's one way that we look at other people and go, oh, they're a doctor. They studied this. They wrote this amazing thesis and doctorate on this. I'm going to trust what they said because they put a lot of work and study into this. We trust older people, right? People who have been down the road longer than we have. We put our trust in them because they have experience. And there's a lot of experience. Uh, if you're a young parent and you have no idea what to do when your kid is crying in the middle of the night, you call mom. Because mom's had you. She, she might know what's going on. Or you call another parent for help and you trust in their experience. Or you go, I absolutely am not going to call dad because he didn't know how to raise me. So I'm going to like call someone else. Or whatever that situation is, you're going to look for someone who's credible and someone who's going to point you in the right direction. There, there are other ways that we gain credibility. If you could paint a picture 
and say, this is where we are now. But we're not going to be here for much longer. We are going to move forward and we're going to move ahead. And you could describe this picture, this vision of what we can do when we move together on, on the same page, taking one step in unity. People are going to go, I want to be a part of that. I want to live for something bigger than myself. I want to join you. And there's been a lot of bad visions that have taken people astray because people say, this is what we're going to do. Woohoo! Vision! A lot of people are bored today and they're just sitting around and they don't know what to do. And then vulnerability, being honest and broken and just saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I need help. Would you come into my life and share with me? These are ways that we gain credibility. But there's one more way of gaining credibility. It's, it's using the credibility of someone else. And we're going to see this in the life of Peter and John as they begin to teach. They're not relying on their experience. They're not relying on any great vision in this text here. They're, they're being open and honest, but they're relying on the credibility of Jesus Christ. They're saying everything that we do is based on what Jesus has done, and we're going to go through this and begin to see what happens. And so in the first couple verses here, let's look at this. Verse, verse 1, chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the, cap- and the captain and the temple and of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. What we see here in the first couple of verses is this battle. The Sadducees and the rulers, they are the political leaders of this area. They have all the power. They have made deals with, with Herod. They have made deals with Rome. They could do what they want to do, at least they think they can. And now Peter and John are going into the temple, and they're beginning to do two things that they don't like. First, they're teaching And the second, it's what they're teaching. They're teaching, their content is that Jesus has risen again. And these are two things that violate their power and violate their credibility, violate their authority. But what's interesting is, as this is happening, this is not new. Everything that we see here, Jesus did. In John chapter 7, Jesus goes into the temple and he begins to teach And he begins to to tell them, and they ask him the exact same questions they asked Peter and John, on what authority are you doing this? Jesus, we don't like that you are teaching without our permission. We don't like that you're moving forward in this way. And Jesus begins to challenge their authority. And right here in Acts chapter 4, authority is being challenged. People are beginning to go, who do I follow? Why Why do I do this? It goes on a little bit further says 5,000, the number became to 5,000 in verse 4. And the leaders didn't like this. And so they took John and Peter and they arrested him. Let's look at verse 5. On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, and John and Alexander. These names are the exact same names of people that met together when Jesus was crucified, when they were trying to turn him over to Rome to put him on the cross. So we have the same opposition against Jesus now going against the church. Verse 7, when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power and by what name do you do this? 
a question of authority. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, Rulers and people of the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed. He's like, are you questioning us? Are you holding us overnight in jail because we healed a man? That seems like a good thing for everybody, right? Is, is that what's really going on here? Or is there something more that you're not saying? But let me tell you, you're asking the authority that I have. The authority that I have comes from the name of Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. And Jesus at this, sorry, let me go back. Jesus is the cornerstone and he questions them. Peter is zinging them at this point. If we look back at Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is confronted by these same leaders and they are questioning him, what authority do you have? In fact, let's go there. Matthew chapter 21. Verse 23. And when he entered the temple, when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing this? And who gave you this authority? Same question that we see in Acts. Jesus answered them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, I will tell you by what authority I do these. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? And if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they hold that John was a prophet. So they they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he begins to tell them a parable, and he says, What do you think? A man has two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go, get, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind. And he went, and he went to the other son and said the same. And he said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which two did the will of the father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not believe, afterwards changing your minds and believe him. And then he tells another story about a vineyard. And he talks about the cornerstone of this vineyard. And he says, This cornerstone is going to crush you. And Peter talks about the same cornerstone, that Jesus is the cornerstone. And you did not believe him. Psalm 118 talks about this as well. And essentially what Peter's doing to these religious people is he's saying, what power do I have? What authority do I have to tell you uh, how this man was able to to walk again? The power and the authority comes from the name of Jesus, who you killed. God raised him up again. And everyone who believes in him is going to be saved. This is an amazing authority that that Peter is talking about and proclaiming. They go on a little bit further in Acts. And they begin to question and go, these men, 
they're unschooled. These men, they're fishermen. They have no training. The only thing that we see in them is that they have been with Jesus. And they question together and they figure out what are we going to do together. And they have no way of charging Peter and John because they did this great thing. 5,000 men are believing in Jesus and proclaiming the name of Jesus now. And so they eventually let them go. If you turn to Acts chapter 5 again, or Acts chapter 4, I want to point your attention to the last couple verses here. Verse 23. When they released Peter and John, they came to their friends and reported that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lift up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by his Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand had planned and had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look ahead at the threats and grant your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs of wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Church, um, after Peter and John were released, they were beginning to celebrate what took place. They were giving thanks to the God, the author of life, who put them in that position, who made everything, and they make a couple statements that I want to point out. One, God is working. God is sovereign. He is in control of what's going to happen. And then they begin to pray for boldness. And I believe as a church, we too need to begin to pray for boldness. In our society right now, there is an attack against the, the, the word of God. People don't align themselves with, with Christianity. They go against it. And I think in our society, it's easy for us to say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a lot harder for us to say, I have a public relationship with Jesus Christ. And God is calling his church to go out with power and to be his witnesses. And we have a personal relationship with him, but we need to share a public relationship with everyone else, just like Peter and John did. And when they prayed, they asked that God would fill them with boldness. And I think we need to pray the exact same way, that God would fill us up with boldness to be able to proclaim confidently the name of Jesus so that people would be able to be saved. What I would like to see happen, let me, sometimes as a pastor, it's, it's hard. Um, I don't want to whine or, or vent, but I get excited about the word of God and there's a lot of energy that goes into study and sometimes it doesn't always get communicated the way that I would like to. And I'm sorry for that sometimes, that uh, I want things to be heard and I want them to be perceived. I'm a guy that was transformed because of Jesus. As an adult, 
I was going one way. I had control issues in my life. I wanted life the way that I wanted it to go. And every single time that I held on tight to control and to what I wanted to do, I felt like I kept hitting a wall and I was suffering and hurting and my response was to blame everyone else. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders in this text, they had a lot of control issues. And when I read this text, I relate to them because sometimes I want things to go my way. And I battle with it. If you look through this text, they were not about discerning what was true and what happened. The, the religious leaders had a problem because these disciples were challenging their authority and they were not trying to, uh, to say, maybe Jesus is the savior. Maybe Jesus did rise from the grave. They didn't want the truth. They wanted these guys to be silent. They wanted things to continue to go the way that they've been going. And they began to persecute and to hurt these apostles and eventually the church to follow. I'm a broken guy who also wants control in my life. But as I surrender my control to the word of God and I begin to elevate the word of God, I see that God has a different plan than what I want. And sometimes I need to go, no matter how much it hurts, no matter what's going on, I need to surrender my plan to God. What's hard for me in this text is that this text does not promise that everything's going to work out. If we look at this, Peter and John are beginning to proclaim the word of God. They're beginning to proclaim the resurrected Jesus, their teaching, and immediately they hit opposition and persecution. They arrest them and they have to stay in jail overnight. They don't know what's going to happen. People don't like it when we go, this is what God says and this is how we need to live our life. And honestly, if I were to share, I would love it if we could go out into the streets and begin to say, Jesus is king, he's going to change your life, and everyone just believe and receive that, and there's no conflict. It would be great if everyone just embraced Jesus, and they go, this is amazing. But embracing Jesus means surrender. And I think it starts with us. It starts with me, as I'm telling you to surrender, I also need to be able to surrender control to surrender what I want, surrender comfort, surrender money, surrender whatever it is that God's telling me to surrender. And I need boldness, which I believe is, is being able to take a stand and living like you believe Jesus is alive, living as if you, you trust him. I need to do that, and I think as a church, we need to do that. And it's not going to be easy. In fact, if we take a stand in our jobs, some of us might get let go. If we take a stand in the places of play, we may not be liked. If we take a stand on the playground with our kids and we start talking to moms uh, that have different religions and backgrounds, they're going to begin to make fun and to talk, and it's not going to be fun. But I like the prayer that the apostles pray and the church prays. They, they don't pray for the circumstances to change. They pray for boldness. They pray 
not for what's happening out here. They pray for, for God to change them in here. That they would be able to boldly proclaim what Jesus is doing in their life. Let me tell you what Jesus is doing here from my perspective. And I believe that this perspective is very narrow. As, as we begin to, to talk and share stories, and I hope we do at the potluck after this, of what Jesus is doing in and through us, we're going to see that we have a very narrow perspective. But over the last couple weeks, we have seen some people put their faith in Jesus for the very first time. And as they do that, their life is beginning to change where they're filled with joy, they are filled with hope. There is uh, this, this good thing that is taking place in their life. Some of these same people are feeling hurt and broken because it seems like life is not getting easier for them. It's actually getting harder for them because God is beginning to mold them and to shape them. They, they're sharing what Jesus is doing in their life with their friends and family. And some people are like thinking they're crazy. And there is persecution and hurt going on there. But I believe as a church, look at us, look around. We have, what, about 60 people in here right now? If half of us were to say, I am going to share what Jesus is doing in my life with someone else this week, I believe God will begin to take his message and to allow that to penetrate this community. Church cannot be a Sunday morning where one person is speaking and everyone else is writing notes and you're critiquing everything I say because I'm a bad speaker. But church is us lifting up the word of God and you taking what God is telling you and sharing that with someone else. Can we do that? If we stand up with boldness and to be able to go, I believe Jesus is my king. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again and he's working here and now. He's going to be able to do amazing things. He healed a lame guy. What can he do in my life, in my marriage, with the, my relationships? And we don't get any promises where everything's going to magically work out. What we see is that God is going, the name of Jesus is going to be elevated we're going to see that, that God is going to work through us. He's going to get glory. And this church unifies together. In the next couple chapters, we're going to be looking at how the church joins together. And the message goes beyond just Jerusalem and begins to go into the ends of the earth. Right now, we are the ends of the earth. And the name of Jesus has to be lifted up. It has to be elevated. It has to be proclaimed. And if we could pray for boldness with us. God is going to honor that, and we're going to see a community changed. I'm going to bring the band back up. And as they're coming up, I want to pray for us as a church. We're going to sing a song about what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. This name, death could not hold Jesus. The grave could not hold Jesus. Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death. And he is present in our life. Would you grab on to the name of Jesus and allow him to work in your life as flawed and as broken as you are and allow your personal relationship with him to be public? If you are not a follower of Jesus yet, I want to encourage you to turn to him, to repent, to come home. Jesus was crucified. He died on the cross 
so that you could have a relationship with him. And if we turn to him and we say, God, I, I need you. I can't live my life my way anymore. Here, take my life. He promises that he will come into our life and begin to transform us from the inside out. Father, I pray that we as a church would be filled with boldness, that we would not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We know that, as Peter said, that there is only one name in which salvation could happen, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. You are or the perfect sacrifice. You rose again. You're calling us into your family, and I pray that you would help us to respond. Jesus, I pray that you would be much in our life, that you would help us to live a life of credibility, not on our own credibility, but your credibility, that you would help us to love people as you love people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.